my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 266. I just got back from a brief vacation at the lake, camping at the lake. Uh, good weather, good water. I mean, great water. The lake was awesome. Read two books. One of them was written by my friend. Uh, the other book, if you're familiar with the Jack Reacher series by Lee Child, it was called uh, Past Tense. I really recommend the Jack Reacher series. A great series of books if you're looking for a book series to read. Uh, guys, I hope you're doing well. I love my job. I'm grateful that you listen. I'm just so happy to be here. I want to start today. I just want to say first that it's going to be a short episode today. Uh, there's really three and a half topics, roughly, I want to talk about. Really, today's episode is about catching up on the stuff that happened since I left town tomorrow's episode. There's NBA tonight. We'll talk about the NBA. At some point, we'll preview the next race coming up for Formula One. Uh, at some point, I don't know if it's next episode or later down the road, we'll talk about Last Chance You, which just dropped. I started like, I'm like five minutes in the beginning episode about Laney College. Uh, I'm excited to do kind of a review, talk about Last Chance You whenever I can. But first of all, let's start with this. I went out of town and literally the very next day, I look at my phone, news breaks, Jamal Adams got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. I went, bang, that's a big deal. Now, I've had quite a lot of time to stop and really think about what happened. Um, and actually, I'll be honest, I feel exactly the same way now as I did when I had my initial reaction, which is that I, I really feel good about the trade. I think the Seattle Seahawks did the right thing trading for Jamal Adams. Let's break it down. So in the trade... Seahawks got superstar safety Jamal Adams. Now, the Jets got two draft picks, two first-round draft picks, 2021 and 2022. They also got a 2021 third-round pick and a safety, Bradley McDougal. Now, I just read that. I went, man, that's a good move. Great for Seattle. I've been saying for a long time. The Seahawks have this incredible quarterback, Russell Wilson. And either, I don't really, this debate is not important to this topic, so please don't let it trip you up. But in my opinion, either Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't really care who's one or two, but they're the two best quarterbacks in the entire NFL, in my opinion. That's a debate for another day. I just don't care about that debate. But in my opinion, if you have one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL, like the Seahawks have Russell Wilson, get him help. Make a move. Get him help. Do not waste the prime years of Russell Wilson's career. That's the biggest mistake you could make if you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And now, I'll be honest, I wish they'd made a move and gotten Russell Wilson an offensive lineman, but hey, they made a move. They got another star player that's going to help Russell Wilson win games. Right off the bat, I like that move. Now, I know it's controversial um, to say that the Seahawks did the right thing, giving up two first-round picks. Uh, let me tell you, I've been on my phone for days. I've been at the lake. I've been camping. I keep seeing article after article, and people are sending me message after message. I've been getting messages for days about the Jamal Adams trade. And I know that it's controversial to say, hey, great job, good job, Seahawks. But I also know that my job is to say what I believe, and I really believe that that's the right move. I honestly believe that the Seahawks did the right thing by trading for Jamal Adams. Now, uh, I live in the Northwest. I live in the Portland, Oregon area, and I see all the regional news here. It's really hard to avoid all the local regional news. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's, all, it's everywhere. All my friends share it everywhere. And people in the Northwest that are Seahawks fans 
are angry about this move. Seattle sports writers, people I've met, say the Seahawks gave up too much. You know, two first-round picks for a safety. Insanity. You could never make a move like that. I've been hearing that for a long time. And I really don't believe that people in Seattle, let alone Seattle sports writers, are watching very many New York Jets games. I just don't think it's possible. And I don't blame them. The Jets are bad. And you're in the Northwest. Why would you watch a team all the way in New York? It's literally across the country. It's not your market. It's probably, honestly, if you live in Seattle, it's probably hard to find a New York Jets game even on TV. And in reading articles, I've literally said, Seattle sports writers keep saying, we don't know how good Jamal Adams is. Ah, well, come on. Let, let's correct that. You don't know how good Jamal Adams is. I do. You don't watch the New York Jets. I do. I watched the New York Jets. I watched a lot of New York Jets football. In fact, they did a Sam Darnold film analysis. I watched every single game the New York Jets played last year. And you know what name kept popping up? I was watching the offense mostly. I watched a little bit of defense. I'm not going to lie. Didn't watch every snap on defense. But the name that kept popping up, the name on defense that kept making an impact, making big plays, and getting Sam Darnold the ball, guess what name kept coming up? Jamal Adams, because Jamal Adams is unbelievable. He's a star. In my opinion, I would even use the word superstar. And maybe you don't believe me telling you that Jamal Adams is an incredible safety. Okay, fair enough. You're like, hey, Zach, word of mouth is enough. I want to see it. Great. Uh, Brett Coleman is a friend of mine. He's an incredible. He's a filmmaker. He's a football analyst. He's amazing. Brett Coleman made a video really detailing how Jamal Adams has an impact on the defense he's a part of. He had a huge impact on the Jets last year. He can cover. He can tackle. He can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. The two players who had the biggest impact on the Jets last year were Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams. Now, again, I go back to this. The Seahawks have this quarterback, Russell Wilson, in the prime of his career. They need to win now because they're also in the most competitive division in the NFL. Here's a question. What would help the Seattle Seahawks win this year right now? Would a 2021 draft pick, a, a draft pick in next year's NFL draft, would that help them win games this year? Oh, it, it would not. No, no, it would not. Uh, what about two years from now? A 2022 first-round draft pick. Does that help the Seattle Seahawks win right now? Oh, no, it does not. And I'm not trying to be snide. But the only way to use those picks you have to win right now was to trade them away. Jamal Adams helps the Seahawks win this year right now. And in my opinion, honestly, the Seattle Seahawks are going to win five more games this year. You know, we'll say three because of Russell Wilson, two because of Jamal Adams. That's going to be a big impact on their season. Making the Jamal Adams trade is going to help the Seahawks win this year. And if you're in the NFC West, look ahead at the future of the teams in the NFC West. Two years ago, the LA Rams were in the Super Bowl. They lost. They lost. There's a Super Bowl hangover. It's really hard when you lose the Super Bowl to come back. But eventually, the Rams are going to rebound. And last year, the San Francisco 49ers lost the Super Bowl. I'm going to give them, we'll say, they're going to have one down year. Maybe they go 10-6. and six. Before the 49ers are going to hang around for a long time, they're going to recover. A Super Bowl hangover is real. It will impact the 49ers. They're not going to be, I think they're not going to be 
a Super Bowl contender next year, in my opinion. They're still going to be very good. And then, oh, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting better and better and better. He's a 49ers quarterback. My point is the 49ers are going to be back probably not this year, probably two years from next year. And the Cardinals are rising. Oh, yeah, the Cardinals. They have Kyler Murray. In my opinion, he's my favorite to win MVP this year. He's a dark horse, but I think that makes him the favorite because people like a story they don't expect. Kyler Murray is going to break onto the scene. He's like the 21st rated quarterback in Madden. He's going to break onto the scene. No one's going to expect it. Kind of have a great year. Bam, Kyler Murray is going to win MVP. That's what I think is going to happen this year. Look at, have incredible receivers. He's really talented. And my point is that very, very quickly, the Cardinals are also going to become Super Bowl contenders. So that's wow. In the future, the Rams, the 49ers, the Cardinals, the future of the NFC West is terrifying if you're the Seattle Seahawks. So this is the year that Seattle can take advantage of their situation and win the division. 49ers are on a Super Bowl hangover. The Rams are recovering. The Cardinals are about to pop, but maybe this year they're not quite as good as they will be two years from now. This is the year the Seattle Seahawks need to make their push. And Jamal Adams helps them do that. Jamal Adams will help the Seattle Seahawks win now this year. Now, in the wake of the trade, people have been saying, you know, who cares if the Seahawks give up two first-round picks? I've heard that a lot um, because, and I'll be honest, it's funny. It's not entirely true, but it's kind of a memeable, funny thing where like, <laughs> the Seahawks are terrible at drafting in the first round. Again, not entirely true. I want to break that down real quick. I want to add some clarity to the situation. There are two factions that have formed in the wake of the Jamal Adams trade. Neither side's really right, although I would say that maybe both sides are half right. One side says Seattle cannot draft in the first round anyway. They're really bad at it. They often draft busts. That's one side. The other side really disagrees and says that the Seattle Seahawks should have kept the picks because they're now not going to have as good of players in the future. People say, well, the Seahawks are actually more solid than you would think drafting in the first round. And again, I think they're both half right. Because with most things in life, the honest answer is somewhere in the middle. There's two extremes, and they're both kind of right, but the truth is somewhere in the middle. So since 2010, these are the Seattle Seahawks' first round picks. They had an offensive tackle, Russell Okun. They had safety, Earl Thomas. Uh, guard, James Carpenter. Defensive end, Bruce Irvin. O-lineman, Jermaine Fetty, Running back, Rashad Penny. Defensive end, LJ Collier. And linebacker Jordan Brooks will be a rookie this year. He was drafted 27th overall in the first round in 2020. Now, two of the, really I would say the two best players I just listed were drafted 10 years ago in 2010, Russell Okun and Earl Thomas. Again, 10 years ago in 2010, they were drafted. That's the last time the Seattle Seahawks have drafted a real, true star player in the first round of the NFL draft. Now, since then, the rest of the first-round picks are just kind of middle-of-the-road starters at best. Now, as a rookie last year, LJ Collier had three tackles in three games. Nah, it's not that great, but hey, maybe he'll break out this year in his second year. Rashad Penny's a solid running back. Uh, Jermaine Effetti's a consistent starting offensive lineman. Now, Bruce Irvin left the Seattle Seahawks after four years, 
was okay. Uh, it's the same thing with lineman James Carpenter. He was okay, and then after four years, he took off. And here's my point. The last time the Seattle Seahawks drafted a truly amazing player in the first round was 2010. And it's very unlikely that anybody the Seahawks were going to draft with the picks they traded away, whether it's a 2021 first-round pick or the 2022 first-round pick, it's very, 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 very unlikely they were going to draft anybody of a caliber similar to Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams is unbelievable. Now, another thing I want to mention, I do think it's in fairness, part of why the Seahawks are impacted with their drafting in the first round is because they're good. When you're really good, it means you're picking at the end of the first round. So if you have a bunch of late first round picks, you're not going to get the cream of the crop, the best players in the draft every year. And to be clear, you know, Jamal Adams is better than anybody they were going to draft. But here's an accurate statement about Seattle's ability to draft in the first round. I want to be clear because a lot of people, there's a lot of narratives all over the place. This is an accurate statement. Again, the Seahawks have not drafted a star player in the first round in 10 years, since 2010. And usually the Seahawks draft average, solid starters in the first round, but not star players. And the recent Seattle Seahawks draft picks who became stars were players drafted after the first round. Think about this. Listen to this list. It's crazy. It's actually very bizarre how good the Seattle Seahawks are at drafting after the first round. Bobby Wagner was a second-round pick. Richard Sherman. Everybody knows Richard Sherman. A fifth-round pick out of Stanford. Michael Bennett. Doug Baldwin. Undrafted free agents. DK Metcalf, a second-round pick. Russell Wilson, who might be, he's arguably the best quarterback in the entire NFL, was a third-round pick, Russell Wilson. Uh, linebacker K.J. Wright, a fourth-round pick. Tyler Lockett was drafted in the third round. The Seahawks, in my opinion, did not give up too much for Jamal Adams. They traded away two future first-round picks, sure, but they're an unknown quantity. You have no idea how good they would be. Maybe they're a bunch of James Carpenters and Bruce Irvins. Ah, is that really better than Jamal Adams? Not at all, in my opinion. They traded away an unknown quantity to get a superstar safety Jamal Adams who will immediately have a massive, massive impact on the Seattle Seahawks. In my opinion, that's a great move. Um, I honestly don't know how much... Like, look at what are the Jets going to do with those first-round picks. They're going to get rid of Adam Gase next year, have a whole new coach, maybe a whole new general manager. Who who do you feel better? I, I just don't know. I, I don't think the Jets are going to do any better with those draft picks than they would have done with Jamal Adams. In my opinion, the Jets really screwed up letting Jamal Adams leave and honestly not listening to Jamal Adams. If you pay attention to what the Jets have said and the narrative that's been spun about him recently, the Jets kind of make Jamal Adams out to be a bad guy. And I just don't think it's true. I watch him play on the field, his passion, his attention to detail. He's clearly, I don't think, a troublemaker. I think he's a really good football player who also wants to win. And unfortunately, Jamal Adams came to realize, oh, crap. I'm not going to win in New York. The people around me, my coach, the people here aren't capable of winning football games. And that is why Jamal Adams started speaking up. He wanted out. He wanted to get away. I don't think Jamal Adams is a troublemaker. I think he's a great football player. And I think the Seattle Seahawks overwhelmingly made a great move by trading for him. They didn't give up too much. They made a great move, in my opinion. Okay, um, I need some water. This is, in fact, pineapple juice. It's a Montana cup. 
Uh, I got it like two years ago in Montana. Montana is my favorite place to vacation, I'll be honest. I think if you ever go to Bozeman, Montana, it's just a beautiful little town. It's pretty. The mountains are everywhere. I'm a big Montana guy. Uh, I'll probably never live there. It's too cold for me. Um, but it's a great place in the summer to visit. And Yellowstone's near. It's like an hour and a half away from Bozeman. So uh, if you ever want to go to Bozeman on a vacation, that's a great place to go. It's near Yellowstone. It's really pretty in the summer. I hear it's cool in the winter. I want to go someday. But right now, it's too cold for me. Right, right now, meaning I, I'm too cold. I don't want to go somewhere. I don't know. Doesn't, football's in the winter. I don't want to go. It's too cold. I'd rather not go to Montana in the winter. Uh, enough said. I'm tripping over my words here. There have been some COVID-19 outbreaks uh, in a couple of sports. In college football, you had the Rutgers football team. had a, They had a coronavirus outbreak. They had 15 players that tested positive, uh, part of the Rutgers football team. Team workouts got shut down. Uh, the entire team has been quarantined. And we actually saw a similar story at Michigan State as well, where the team got quarantined. Now, apparently, the outbreak at Rutgers has been linked to an on-campus party. And this has been my major concern about college football the entire way, where I used to live in a college town. I lived in Pullman, Washington, which is where Washington State's football team is. I also actually played college football myself. And let me tell you, college football players are going to party. Like, no matter, even, Gardner Minshew is my favorite college football player of all time. That dude partied. He partied hard. College athletes party, and you're not going to stop it. No coach has absolute control and can control his entire roster and get his team to stop partying. It's just not true. And one of the problems that college football has right now and in general is that you're not paying the players. So with coronavirus, you have way less control. You can't tell them what, what, what to do and what not to do because they're probably not actually going to entirely listen. It only takes one player to go to a party Go hang out at a kickback. Go do this or that. Even go to the grocery store the wrong way. Get coronavirus and infect your entire team. My point is it's hard to stop an entire football team in college from doing something. You have less control because you're not paying them. Now, Major League Baseball also had a major outbreak. Uh, The Miami Marlins have had 19 positive coronavirus tests between players and coaches. And they've had five games postponed so far. They haven't played a game since last Sunday. And I don't know that they're playing a game anytime soon either yet. Now, apparently, in Miami's case, some of the players went out nightclubbing or out on the town at night in Atlanta during a team trip for two, like, summer game scrimmages right before the season started. So we also have not only college football's got problems— The MLB's got problems. Actually, in the NFL, I read a story this morning that Minnesota wide receiver Justin Jefferson was placed on a reserve, like COVID-19 list, meaning that he either has COVID-19 or he's been in contact with somebody who also has COVID-19. So either has it or has been in contact with people who do have it. And so coronavirus is everywhere. It's, It's in every sport right now, except for basketball. If you notice, oh, It's been weeks since the NBA had a positive coronavirus test. Why is that? Well, it's pretty obvious. They're all in a bubble in Orlando. If you're playing currently in the season, you're in Orlando at Walt Disney World in a quarantined bubble. You're not going to get the virus because of that. And the bubble's working. Again, it's been weeks since anybody tested positive. 
So the bubble works. Maybe other sports could use the bubble. I think if the NFL can find a way to feasibly do it, I don't know that you can have a... There can be an NFL bubble the same way there is an NBA bubble because roster size are so much bigger. Like, you can't find a facility big enough to house the entire NFL, all 32 teams, and the coaches, and all the all the organizations. You could maybe find a local hotel that could house, like, a, a hotel in Buffalo for the Buffalo Bills, a hotel in Baltimore for the Baltimore Ravens, a hotel in Denver to hold the entire Denver Broncos coaching staff. Maybe, just maybe, that could work. But in my opinion, you can't do things the same way the NBA has done if you're the NFL. But here's the lesson in all this to me, in my opinion. It's that change is hard. One of my favorite books about change, and there are, by the way, thousands and thousands, if not millions of books about the idea of life change. And the reason why there are so many books is because changing your life is really hard. My favorite book is called Change Your Die. And that's just in case you care. I'm not going to go into some spiel about Change Your Die. It's just a great book. But the point is that athletes are going to need to change their behavior if sports are going to work this fall. COVID-19 is awful. It's not fun. None of us wanted this. I hate wearing the stupid mask. It's uncomfortable. My ears stick out way too much. I can't breathe properly. It's not fun. Nobody likes the mask. Nobody likes not being able to go out. But they're also important. That whole changing your life and changing your behavior because of coronavirus is necessary. And really, in my opinion, the mindset surrounding COVID-19 needs to change. If you're an athlete, then you want to go to work and home, and that's it. You go to work, you drive from work, from your house to work, then you drive from work to your house, and those are the only two places you are until coronavirus is over, at least until your season is over. You go to practice or your game and your house. I could not be more clear about that. You can't go out. No parties, no nightclubs, no going out. you got to change your behavior if you're an athlete involved in your season. People want to live as if coronavirus doesn't exist, and I totally understand that. There's pushback. There's frustration. None of us chose to be in the situation we are with coronavirus. It's awful. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But it's also reality, and you have to deal in reality. You can't deal in hopes and desires. So mindsets need to change. Behavior is going to need to change. You go to work and you go home. That's it. You live basically in your own self-quarantined bubble. You're, if you're an athlete, you're, you're wealthy enough to get your groceries delivered, to pay another person to clean your groceries, wipe them down. The NFL season's on its way. And if there's no NFL bubble and or if players don't self-quarantine, then it's not going to work. You, you have to change your behavior. Plain and simple, you got to change your mindset. You got to accept reality that coronavirus is a real thing and it's impacting your season. And you got to change your behavior. And if that stuff doesn't happen, then not only is college football not going to happen, which I think is doomed from the beginning, I think baseball might have problems if they don't start waking up and go, oh crap, we can't nightclub. We can't go out. This is very serious. And the NFL certainly is not going to happen unless people start changing their mindsets and changing their behavior it's a tough reality i don't like it it's not fun i don't like i think i'm scolding people i don't like giving that message but it also is really important if changes aren't made and it can't be like the nfl needs to change no coaches and players need to change they need to change their habits and accept that they have to live differently if those 
if if the behavior isn't changed and that reality, the new reality of coronavirus isn't accepted, then sports are not going to work this fall. This next story is one that I honestly want to wait and see a little bit what happens. I'm going to talk about it briefly. I said that at the top of the show, I said there are three and a half stories that we're going to talk about in this episode. This is really the half story, in my opinion. So six New England Patriots players have opted out of the 2020 NFL season. Those players include linebacker Dante Hightower, safety Patrick Chung, right tackle Marcus Cannon, uh, fullback Danny Vitale. Those are four starters of really big, impactful players. They also have lost uh, two role players or two backups, running back Brandon Bolden and offensive lineman Najee Torrin. This is really going to hurt the Patriots. Two big playmakers on defense, uh, starting offensive linemen. I'll be honest, I really want to wait and see how this story develops and Kind of, I just want more information, to be honest, about the six players and about who else maybe opts out of the Patriots. But I already can see how this is going to impact three sets of people. Number one, it's going to impact the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. I think it's going to affect Cam Newton. And really, my angle here is it's going to eventually impact Jarrett Stidham, the backup quarterback in New England. If Cam is a starting quarterback, uh, then Cam's offensive line just got worse. And the defense around him just got worse. And the likelihood of Cam Newton getting hurt just went up. Either because he's got a backup right tackle who can't play, and that leads to Cam getting hit a little too much, or because he's pushing too hard to try and be Superman and carry the Patriots on his back. Either way, the likelihood of Jarrett Stidham playing this year just went up, in my opinion, with the loss of a starting a right tackle and two really good defenders. That's going to have a huge impact on the Patriots' season. Now, number two, the second group impacted are actually the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Funny, like, the Patriots got worse, and that actually helps the Buffalo Bills, who are a good football team, who are pushing to try and win their division. I'm really, I don't feel as good about the Patriots today as I did a week ago, really even then, before I knew about the story. Now, number three, the other person this impacts, really kind of a group of people this impacts, is Bill Belichick and whoever the future quarterback of the Patriots is. So Bill Belichick, the head coach, is really in a predicament where he's got Cam Newton, Jarrett Stidham, two guys who Cam we think is good, Jarrett Stidham we think could be the future of the Patriots. They lost Tom Brady. But if the Patriots are bad next year, then they've really got a better chance at drafting a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft, maybe Trevor Lawrence, maybe Justin Fields, maybe the North Dakota State quarterback, Trey Lance. The Patriots just took a really big hit. They lost six players for the year, four starters, two backups. Um, and, and by the way, backups matter too. People want to say, well, uh, the two backups don't matter. Well, they help by setting the tone of the building and at practice. And so I'm curious how things unfold this year for the Patriots. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, they're definitely not the same team they were a couple days ago now. And um, I really want to know how, like, what what does the ripple effect of this move do? Does it mean the Patriots get Trevor Lawrence because they're really bad? Does it mean that Cam Newton gets hurt because his offensive line isn't as good? Does it mean that the Bills make the playoffs instead of the Patriots? I have no idea. But I'm really curious, again, to see how things unfold for the Patriots this year. Now, the final thing on today's show... um, I'll be very, very honest. This is something I really wasn't originally planning on talking about. 
But then a suspension came, and it fired me up. It really made me interested. I did more research, and here's what happened. The L.A. Dodgers were playing against the Houston Astros. Remember, the Astros cheated last year. They won the World Series and beat the Dodgers. And so in a game this year, Joe Kelly was pitching for the Dodgers. And there's a great breakdown of what happened on YouTube by John Boy. John Boy Media is my favorite baseball YouTuber. He's incredible. And by the way, watching the video of Joe Kelly, uh, I kept thinking that the pitcher Joe Kelly looks a lot like the comedian Josh Wolf. It was kind of funny to me. Um, so Joe Kelly, the Dodgers pitcher, was struggling a bit with command. His kind of his fastball was wild and all over the place. And he gave Alex Bregman a four-pitch walk. But the final pitch of that walk uh, was a 96-mile-an-hour fastball that went behind Bregman's head, and the batter had to duck down to avoid. So Alex Bregman gets walked, and then Joe Kelly struck out Carlos Correa. And as Joe Kelly walks off the field, he taunted Carlos Correa, making fun of him a bit. And I'll be honest, I loved it. I was, I was camping when someone sent me the video. I loved every single second of it. It was fun. There was drama. Joe Kelly, in my mind, is a hero for doing what I've really wanted to have happen to the, to the Astros for a long time. And, you know, there are, there are annoying baseball people who hate bat flips. I love bat flips. I'm the kind of guy who says, you hit a home run, hey, celebrate. Taunting is fun. Rub it in their face. And what Joe Kelly did was great. Now, baseball... The MLB really did not like what Joe Kelly did. They didn't like the taunting, and they determined that he was intentionally throwing at the Astros batters, trying to hit them. And the most outrageous part is that Joe Kelly got an eight-game suspension. Remember, that's during a 60-game season. So eight games out of a 60-game season is an astronomically gigantic big suspension for what happened. It really seemed very, very, very much overblown. It's a big chunk of the year. And everybody keeps saying that the MLB did this to send a message to other teams. Hey, do not mess with the Houston Astros. It's so frustrating. I, I understand that. I, I actually don't understand. Baseball, why are you doing this? I, I am so... I'm trying so very hard to like the MLB. I'm so into I love the sport of baseball. I, I really enjoy baseball has some incredible moments. But the MLB right now and baseball are not exactly the same thing. And I'm really struggling with MLB. The Major League Baseball, oh, man, they're doing so many things right. But my biggest issue with the MLB recently was that none of the Astros players who cheated got punished. And so now not only were... None of the Astros players that were involved in cheating, not only were they not punished, now the MLB is actively protecting those players. And this is what happens, in my opinion. If the league doesn't punish them, then opposing teams are going to take it into their own hands and do what they can to punish them their way. And really what it is is the injustice of this entire situation. The injustice bothers me. It's not only that, but some small part of me, I admit, the part of me that looks at Joe Kelly and what he's doing, his taunting and his, um, his audacity, really, the small part of me that likes Joe Kelly that wants controversy makes me go, I, I like this. I like watching the Astros suffer. I like watching Joe Kelly taunt them. 
again, I, I felt like Joe Kelly was kind of a hero because he was acting towards the Astros the way I feel towards the Astros. They're cheaters. The Houston Astros are cheaters, and they got off scot-free. No punishment. The, the, the organization got punished, sure. The players did not. Nothing happened to the players. And so if you strike them out, yeah, rub it in their face a little bit. I, again, the little small dark part of me, I enjoy it. It's fun. I guess maybe hitting their batters repeatedly is not the best answer. I understand that. But I, I hate to admit it, it does feel like justice. When I watch a ba- an Astros player get beamed in the back, it feels a little bit good. It's like, ha, finally, some retribution, something, some consequences for your actions. The players chose to cheat. And look, I understand why an Astros player would choose to cheat. If you said, hey, here's a device that's going to make you better uh, at your job and honestly help you earn more money. If there was something that made me a better sports broadcaster that instantly made me more money and maybe like way better so I could win whatever cha- – there's no sports broadcaster's championship. But you get my point. I understand the desire to do something that makes you better at your job and makes you more money. It's, it's tempting to want to take advantage of that opportunity. But again, if you cheat, there should be consequences. And unfortunately, Major League Baseball did not punish the players who cheated for the Astros. And now even weirder, the Astros are being protected. It's all messy. It's all bad. But right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm really, really struggling with the injustice right now surrounding the Houston Astros. I just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I watch Joe Kelly taunting them and throwing balls behind their head. And I go, I hate to admit it, Joe Kelly's a hero. I want everybody to do that. It's fun. Like, if baseball's going to do nothing, if the league is going to do nothing, Can we at least have some retribution from opposing teams? And now baseball took even that away. It's like, ugh. The the fun part of the year. A a storyline I was really excited about for baseball was what happens when teams play against the Astros. Baseball said, no drama, none of that. We're going to nerf it immediately. It's like, ugh. Come on. Come on. I, I was so upset. I hate the way baseball handled it. And again, the injustice around the Houston Astros is really, really bothering me. And it just doesn't feel good to me at all. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, I'll call that a warm-up lap. You ever see people like they do a short little lap? It's called a warm-up lap, I guess. Um, This episode was short. It was three and a half topics. But it was really what I needed to do to get back in shape and to uh, get going for the long stretch ahead. We got a lot of shows coming up. We have a massive fall ahead. Baseball, basketball. The NFL is coming soon. Maybe college football. Probably not. Um, the NBA happens tonight. We're going to watch the Pelicans and we're going to watch the Lakers and the Clippers. We'll talk about it tomorrow. There's an F1 race coming up. A lot of great stuff, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much. We'll do Ask Zach tomorrow as well. Hope you have a great day. Bam, bam, bam. We are done.